are we doing that to our customers? Are we showing up and throwing up? You know, have you heard that term? I've yeah. heard it and I've experienced it. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. I'm Alistair Wilcock, CSRO here at Revenue.io, joined with co-host Howard Brown, founder and CEO, and one of the pioneers of all things revenue science. We are thrilled to have back with us today, Joy Rowan. Joy is Vice President of Remote Sales at Amerisource Bergen, one of the world's leading companies in healthcare distribution of drugs, pharmaceuticals for both people, animals. Most of us are touched in our lives by what her company does every single day. Joy, we are thrilled to have you back with us. Thank you. Now, I want to pick up where we left off in the last episode. And we were talking about how do we begin to rationalize what is a lot of tools and tech that have come in in the pandemic. And at this point, in some cases, are actually hurting our sellers, not doing what they did, which was to actually enable them. And we said it was between 5.8 and 6.5 tools on average. When a rep is selling, they're actually navigating with now. That, you know, Almost two-thirds are saying they have to enter more data and log more stuff than ever before. They're actually not driving a great sales experience. They're not focused on the customer experience. And Joy, you said this one thing to Howard and I once, that you believe we need to get to human-centric selling. Double-click on that, because I, I, I love where that's going. Talk us through what human-centric selling means to you and how we can actually make the noise go away for our reps. Yeah, I think that's really our job as leaders, especially in the remote sales setting. So, you know, just because it's remote doesn't mean it's not human centric. Just because we're using tools and technologies to enable or improve the workflows and the processes in the background, it should be the stuff no one ever sees. What they should see and what they should feel, what I want our customers to feel is, and our sales team for that matter, but I want them to feel the human engagement, the part that the you know, AI and the bots, which are amazing, and all the tools are enabling in the background, more human-centric selling, whether that's text, phone, email, video, like whatever, it's it, or even in person, really. But it's, it's, for me, the key is that we don't forget that remote selling or virtual selling is meant to be in service of the human-centric interaction. Mm-hmm. So that's the point of it to me. It's it's in service of creating more time for the human-centric interaction and a more quality human-centric interaction, right? So there's two pieces of that. One, I have to create more time for you to do that by creating these efficient processes for the tools to work in a way that does that. And then I have to also tee up quality because in a world where there's a gazillion pieces of data and things going around. How do I create a curated experience, sales user experience for my salesperson so that then they create a quality, relevant conversation for my customers? Mm-hmm. Because honestly, my our customers are super busy, super important people that are, you know, independent pharmacists running their own businesses and filling prescriptions and counseling patients and giving vaccines and doing a million other things that are really important to our healthcare community and the health of our communities, as well as their own businesses, right? And so I want the engagement to be relevant. So both I want my team to have more time to have those conversations, that human interaction, and I want my customers 
to feel that it's relevant. So that's that's the human centric part. The the machines need to work for us. And Howard, I'm I'm thinking of uh, us. We you know, we have a lot of conversations around human machine collaboration as well, right? The idea that we take, and I think Joy, what you're saying is certain functional pieces, certain tasks within a sales process absolutely benefit from that. But we actually can't lose sight of the fact that conversations matter. The message matters. The way we deliver it, the tone, the mannerism, and ultimately words count. Howard, you've spent a whole life studying this. This is your whole thing of, of revenue science. It, it, it just get across to me, the words count more than ever before. Yeah, words count more, relationships count more, people count more than ever, right? And and Joy, you so emotionally and passionately and empathetically talk about your customers. And, and I'm, again, I love that. You're talking about people who are literally on the, the, the edge of saving human beings' lives. They're counseling people. They can't make mistakes with medication that could possibly kill somebody. They're, they're dealing with people who are severely ill and need the proper counsel and they're running a small business. So there's so much complexity to that and it's literally life or death. And so as as your organization touches your customers, I can imagine that they need to be empathetic. They need to understand the pressures that that individual clinician or pharmacist is under. That person doesn't have time to waste. And so if that rep doesn't understand all of the complexities of that person's business, as well as why they're engaging with that particular customer or prospect, then they're really not being of service to that individual. And the downstream effect could literally be life or death. Mm -hmm. so, so to me, when I think about the human part of it, what we need to do is we need to continue studying human beings and understanding what makes us unique, what makes us special, what makes us connect with one another. Studying that and making that our purpose, making that the mission, and then understanding what it is as human beings we probably do, but we shouldn't be doing. What, what can we take, the task, the monotony that don't make us the incredibly special, beautiful people that we are as human beings, creative, empathic, communicators. Like, let's not remove that from the process. Let's get rid of the mundane, the task, all the things that break down our ability to connect with one another and have a valuable conversation like we're having here today. So if we think first and foremost about how we improve that, how do we elevate? How do we unlock human potential with all this technology so that we can get to that connection? So you got me on my yeah. soapbox, but to yeah. me, it's so important. The thing that jumps out at me listening to you both is this. I, I want to see that change. I believe in that change. But are we genuinely building the confidence of our sellers today? Or are we beating our sellers up more with data with Ms. Quota, with the results, with the productivity, like the majority of sellers now are measured more than ever on productivity and results. 
Mm-hmm. And think about that for a second when you're when you're driving into every single task, every single thing, every single productivity measure and results-based measure, how confident is that person going to be? You're just micro measuring them to death where they they I would argue the reps are actually losing confidence. They actually have more uncertainty around what they do. And, and heaven forbid, they actually understand the fact that buyers are way more advanced than they were pre-pandemic levels. Access to more information, they're more ready to go. They understand, right? And, and Joy, even in the world where you are in all of the pharmaceutical and the healthcare space, people are pretty darn educated these days. Mm-hmm. And yet, are we setting a seller up to be competent? Not arrogant, mm-hmm. confident they can help somebody solve a problem. Confident they can take a story and go, this is what this is doing for others. I really want to help you in this way. And why? You're answering your own question, right? So there's quality and there's quantity. Yeah. And if you're just measuring quantity, you're missing the mark. It, sorry, Joy, I'm jumping in because- No, I agree. I mean, this is hard. This is the art and science of it. And I think this this is the the leadership part of it too, right? And it goes back to the human part and how humans are motivated and how they can be demotivated. And if they feel they're being micromanaged or you don't think they, it's not even that they don't have the confidence. You're not even letting them do it, like do it. It's, it's not even, they, they actually sometimes are like, I, w- I can do this. Like I actually have the confidence to do this, but you're like weighing me down with all of this. So I think where I have landed on this, it is both. This is not, you know, 1999 where we have no analytics or science behind this. So you can't go back. Like there's no going back there. There is a balance. It's a, it's hard. And I think as a leader, you have to be a little bit careful because it can be tempting to do that when you have all of that. And I, for what I've done, I think in my case, it's, it's a little bit easier right now because we're still so early on. I actually can't measure everything as accurately as maybe even I want, but what it's forced me to do too is just because I can measure everything, A, doesn't mean I need to, or I need to beat anyone over the head with it. So even if I'm measuring it, doesn't mean I need to talk about it. So what are the couple things that I think really pieces of data and analytics that I truly believe like matter so much to me that I am willing to be like, these are our performance measures. These are our productivity measures. Mm-hmm. And then I think you kind of like, just got to let some of the rest of it go. Like, I think you got to like trust that they're going to look at it themselves or, or not. And you, you coach to other, like, so for me, I, I think you just, you got to be careful that just cause you can, doesn't mean you do. You, yeah. you kind of focus and say, I'm going to, maybe you change them over time. I mean, I would say we're evolving there. You know, maybe the, some of the KPIs we picked early on aren't serving us anymore or didn't end up being what we thought they were going to be maybe, right? Or didn't drive what we thought they were going to be. So for me, it makes it far, far harder because I think the the kind of easy thing is just to be super productivity and metrics driven. I actually think that's somewhat easier. What's a lot harder is this blended approach where you're like, okay, I'm going to narrow it down. And even though I want to look at everything so desperately and I want to see every measure where I want it, I'm going to let that go. And I'm going to say, these are the two or three that we're going to focus on. And for these, I'm not kidding. We're doing it. This is, this is like, this is how we're going to be productive. So I guess that's what I would say. It's hard though. And you, you have to be open to like changing your mind when you realize like it might not, that one that you focused on might not be, you know, working anymore. Maybe it never did. And you, you know, picked, picked the wrong one. So that's where I am with it is I'm trying to 
be really intentional in mm -hmm. what I choose and the rest I'm letting it. I'm not even saying I'm not looking at it. I'm just saying I'm, I'm, I'm choosing to, to focus on certain things and not everything because it demotivates them. How would I feel if, if my boss was bringing up every single thing in my, I mean, yeah, you know, joy, yeah. You talk about motivation and there's a lot to unpack in what you just said, but when I think about the individual, right? We as leaders need to make sure that our employees know that we have their back, right? That, that a, the best employees that I have the opportunity to work with are the ones that have that growth edge. They want to get better. They want to improve. They want to know that you have their best interests as well as the company's best interest in mind. And so I really stress that it's not one size fits all. I have, I have reps that are very early in their career and I need to focus on certain metrics, but I need their buy-in that those metrics are in fact the ones that are going to help them improve. That is very different than my more senior reps, who, by the way, are hitting quota and exceeding quota and kicking butt. Those also, if they understand that you want them to perform better, not just for the company, but for themselves, if you understand what motivates them, whatever it is, if it's the big house or putting their kids through school or, or taking care of their parents, whatever that motivation is, if you understand that and you're working with them to help them achieve those goals so that when they do fall back and we all fall back, you can remind them, not in a shameful way, but in a way to help motivate them and, and ask them, is that in fact still what motivates them? They'll feel like you're in fact part of that team with them. And I think that's what's good. Let's not beat them over the head with the metrics. Let's, let's make sure that the data that we're showing them helps them achieve their goals and the company's goals. And to your point, that changes over time. It changes for individuals. It changes for roles. It changes for seniority. So that's what's beautiful about all of this. We can tailor it for individuals. So um, that's a good point. I don't think we're there yet personally, but that's really a good point. How do you, how do you create cons maybe consistent base standards or, or, you know, base accountability, but then have the ability to say, look, we're all working on different things, right. And different people are different places. I mean, I think I'm unapologetically about accountability. Yes. And so there have to be certain things that are true. Like, I mean, it just, it's a job, right? But I think you're right. It's first level is what are you picking for everybody? Second level is Howard, like you're like the masterclass and like, but then how do I take the data and make it individual for each person and role, but then like role and then each person. And that's, that's a good point. Honestly, I haven't quite gotten there yet, but with the data or with the tools, maybe we can because we have the ability to look at things differently. You got um, it. And just like yeah. tailoring the experience for our customers, let's make sure we tailor the experience for yeah. our reps. Yeah. Really invest in our reps because you're right. We have KPIs for the company and we have KPIs yeah. for our sales teams and the individuals. But again, our job is to figure out how to motivate them how to help them to continue to perform and grow. Finding those things that you can work on together. So unapologetic, absolutely. Mm -hmm. You want growth. Figuring yep. out where each individual needs that growth and helping them achieve it is our job as leaders. Mm -hmm. And that is one place in the technology. 
as I think about, again, my sales career and the years of like riding around in a car once a month with a, you know, with my sales boss and them giving you the feedback. This is one of the kind of, I find really cool things about remote sales and some of the tools that we have like revenue where you're not only are you able to record the conversation, like I know that like sketches people out sometimes, but like the power of being able to like self-coach and self-review, I can't, I'm trying to think of how many times, like when you're coaching someone and feeling like, have we improved on this? Like, and maybe we have, maybe it's obvious and we have. And, and again, think about, I, again, I go back to the employee. It's not just me as the boss going like, have we actually improved on this listening skill? Because I've been here once a month for the past four months, we've had some version of this coaching conversation. And for the employee, wouldn't it be really awesome if we could say back to them, look at how you improved here. That's like this great. isn't, yes. right? Like this isn't just me either subjectively thinking it or not thinking it. Maybe they did. Maybe they did. Maybe they've improved, but like, I only see them, you know? So for me, I'm really, really excited to, to get into that again. We're, we're still at the early stages, but for me, that's really important. Maybe also, cause I have had a couple jobs in learning and development in my career. Speaking of confidence, Alistair, what do you yeah. think would make someone more confident that knowing they've gotten better at something? That's right. hundred <laughs> percent. I think, I think that's exactly right. Reinforcement and, with positivity is much better than negative. Right. This is where yeah. the technology and the data, you know, it gets a bad rap sometimes and it can yeah. be used for evil, but there's power in that piece too, where you can actually objectively show, no, what's, you literally got better at listening. Look at this. What's even more powerful than that is when I have people come to me and say, we showed our reps this and then the reps came back. And showed us, showed the manager, <laughs> look at how much yeah. I've improved. I know. What else are we going to work on? Yeah. That is the power. That is the power of technology. You empower them I to know. find those things and let them improve and find those next things. Because that feels good. Again, you want to hire people that have a growth edge that want to yep. improve. Empower them with the tools to do just that. So yeah, I, I agree. I love, I love that. I want to give one final thought because we started with the idea of the go-to-market debt, the technical debt, and the, all of the proliferation of these tools. Sounds like we've actually landed, Howard and, and Joy, on the, the first-person narrative of helping the sellers be better versions of themselves. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to talk vendors for a second. When I look at the entirety of the sales technology space and landscape and MarTech, all of it really, you know, it has been a relentless push in this past decade for the next unicorn, the next unicorn, the next billion dollar valuation, the next blockbuster IPO. And everybody's having a pretty rude awakening now in the current economic environment. And uh, in that pursuit, a lot of technology companies have been built that I would say are very good at monetizing an opportunity in the market right? I, we couldn't do something through virtual selling. We couldn't do something with conversations. And now they just queued in and, and grabbed that and went. What I would suggest is, and I'm a pretty quantitatively driven guy, but I actually think that when looking at vendors these days, the resurgence of a qualitative measure is equally as important to think about this. So what do I mean? When I think of us and I think of what we're doing, at the heart of all of what we are building, We are trying to unlock human potential. We're trying to unlock human potential through better communication, what we three are doing right this very second. As I talk with vendors today, as we buy products as well, I now QM more and I want to know, 
what actually vision, what thing are you actually trying to solve? And if somebody can't rattle off to me a conviction around what it is they're solving for, and they just want to give me another marketing-based tagline around the problem they solve, is that really a technology I need? Isn't that just another technology for technology's sake? Or do I want to work with vendors that maybe don't have it all figured out in this very advanced world of AI, but are actually trying to aspirationally do something better to improve the condition of, of, of humans? Is that a measure we should use? Is it a measure that's real? I mean, I think that we're all consumers. And I, I think that we tend to align with our or buy what we think is going to solve our problems and the people that are listening and we think are whether, you know, that are going to partner with us to do that. So I, I think that it's a complicated question, but again, you know, this is maybe just the core salesperson in me is that I'm qualitative and quantitative. I think the two things can live together. I mean, I know from, from my perspective, I often get these pitches by technology and like, I can't even understand what they're talking about. Like, I don't even understand that the words, I mean, or the the technology. So I think if I can't even understand that, then I, I doubt my team's going to be able to use the technology. And right there, Joy, what you've said through two amazing episodes with us, it's got to be about that experience. And if we aren't building around a common experience to improve that for whatever the role, I don't think it's very functional technology to begin with. For, for someone who has now spoken to Joy several times, <laughs> I would say that if you are selling to Joy and you don't wear your values on your sleeve, chances are you're not going to have much success selling to Joy. Well, and you got to solve my problem. Like you of got, course. and that's, that's like basic sales, right? Like you, you have to understand what the problem is. I mean, that, that's what is important. And when you were saying about how close we feel to our customers, it's, yeah. it's, because we truly believe in the work that they do. We, we're aligned to that. You know, we're trying to create healthier futures, which al aligns to, to what our customers do. And so I think though you can't do that if you don't understand what's important to them, right? So it's, it's both. It's you have well, to understand what things I'm trying to solve, basically. But I think that, that's, that's sort of my point. Like yeah. what's clear to me is you value your employees so much. You value your customers so yeah. much. So if I don't come to you and help you achieve those values, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to be successful with you. No. Your problem is you need to deliver better experiences, more value to those folks. So that's what yeah. I meant by that. Yeah, but I exactly. only know that because I've spent some time with you. Yeah, I, yeah. I've listened to you, right? Yeah. And so that's what we have to do with our customers. We have to listen to what's important, not just pitch something. I agree. And I think, you know, I mean, look, selling to a salesperson, I try and give the hints up front. Like, I'll tell you exactly what my problems are, because what I'm looking for is to cut to the chase and help me solve them. Mm -hmm. I think about it a lot, right? Because I sit on both sides, right? I'm obviously, you know, have sold a lot of things for a lot of years in healthcare. I, I sit on that side of our business. I'm obviously sold too, right? So I actually think that's a pretty good thing because it makes you always remember what it feels like to be sold yes, to. Yes, 100%. And I think you should be paying attention to that because when I have a good experience, I'm asking myself, was I as good of a listener as Howard was when he was talking to me, when I'm talking to our customers? Did I ask as many insight generating questions? What did, did they feel as heard? Or in other experiences where it doesn't go as well, I think, are we doing that to our customers? Are we showing up and throwing up? 
You know, have you heard that term? Show up yes. and throw up. I've yeah. heard it and I've experienced it. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Honestly, I've done it. You know, not proud, but true. Like I've done it. So, you know, I'm not even going to pretend I haven't, but I also take that back and say, it's a good reminder to take a little bit of self-reflection and say for the good things like, oh, what are we doing that our customers have that experience? And, and conversely, ooh, make sure our customer doesn't have that experience. Enjoy. This has been amazing. And I think I could safely say for both Howard and I, if the rest of Amerisource Bergen is one-tenth the passion that you are in terms of the experience you're providing, in terms of you know what you deliver for animal and human health around the world, it brings a smile to my face the next time I go and need <laughs> some help on that side and gives me some tremendous hope for our future healthcare as well. So thank you for being so human-centered yourself. At the end of the day, all leadership comes from first-person belief. So you, you exuded in spades, and it's been amazing to have you on these two episodes. Hopefully, we can have you back for more as time permits in the future here as well. Howard, anything else from your side? No, just thanks, Joy. It's a pleasure as always. Look forward to yeah. uh, what's next. I know you have a lot planned. We do. Yeah, a pleasure as well. Thanks, everyone. Please don't forget to like and subscribe the podcast and try our new dial-in number at 323-540-4777. That's 323-540-4777. And Howard and I will do our best to answer your questions on upcoming episodes. Thanks again. Thanks again.